How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Left corner three, Gordon Hayward is good. 25 for Gordon. Joe Johnson with his fifth assist of the night. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 2nd of February. The Jazz torched the box in their inexplicable lack of defensive scheme. Dante Axum gets short stints. Is everything all right there? We'll break down those two things, plus take your questions on a Facebook Live Thursday edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz on this Thursday morning. We do Thursdays as Facebook Live. Fridays are Pack Friday, and that will be back with you uh, tomorrow as well. I pushed this one back a little bit because I thought it might be nice to uh, get you guys to some better questions. When I've been doing 6 o'clock in the morning and things like that, it makes it a little hard for you uh, to jump on. So uh, glad to have you aboard and hopefully get some questions from you live. Usually the questions I take are kind of from the night before, but this time we'll get you uh, with your uh, straight interaction uh, from you. Today's show, as always on the Thursday edition, is brought to you by my friends at the Shamrock Auto Group. Always appreciate Rob Taylor, not Rob Thomas, and the Shamrock Auto Group. They're located out in Pleasant Grove. Uh, it's a neat little story. Rob built up this uh, dealership largely because some of his experiences were not very good, and so he built a dealership where he wants to make sure that you have a fabulous car buying experience. In fact, I'm going to give you his number. That's like to the level in which uh, Rob is going to go. So if you're in the market uh, of considering purchasing a car or a truck in the next few weeks, let Shamrock have a chance. 801-319-2250. In fact, Travis Henderson, who's our Emmy Award-winning director and producer, uh, I mentioned to him. I know he's in the market. So what is – what? What is the differentiation of Shamrock, and why should you call Rob at 801-319-2250? Uh, one is uh, Rob is – they're going to sp- – they're going to have a, a barely used or nearly new car for you at a really good price. The second thing is that their general manager is a mechanic for 30 years. So any car he purchases, he's previewed beforehand. The second, third one is out-the-door pricing in five minutes. Then test drive by yourself. Buying experience in under an hour. Full-service financing on-site, value-driven, Carfax and every report. They're going to make sure you have a great experience. And if you just go to the Google reviews, you can see that just about everybody who's been to Shamrock has exactly that. Just randomly go grab their Google reviews, and you'll get first – from start to finish, our experience was positive, wrote Heidi Abbott. They worked so hard to find the exact car we wanted at a fair price with low miles. Beautiful new office, huge selection of large SUVs, many eight passengers, which were hard to find elsewhere. All the staff were knowledgeable and hardworking. <clears throat> I definitely recommend. Go to Clay Christensen. He wrote, unbelievable experience at Shamrock, especially when considering a car purchase can be painful and annoying and stressful. They were organized, patient, extremely fair in pricing. I test drove clean cars and had every question answered thoroughly. So check it out. Give Rob a call. It's Rob Taylor. You can call him Rob Thomas. If you're calling, he doesn't care. 801-319-2250. 
50. All right, we'll get to your questions in a minute, but we always start the show in the same exact place, which is pins across the world. And I'd love it if you would send in your pin at dlock09 at gmail.com. dlock at 09 at gmail.com is where we take your pins across the world. Uh, Would love to have you send and tell your story. How did you become a Jazz fan? What is it that uh, is your connection? Let's go to Jared Reed today. If it loads up, let's try it. Jared Reed. Come on, computer. Load up. It's not good if live it doesn't. There we go. Thanks, David, for all your hard work in keeping Jazz fans informed. I'm in Hayes, Kansas. I have followed since 2011, reading Empty the Nogging and the darkest of endless PowerPoint presentation while in graduate school out of state. I grew up in Utah and, like most, have became a committed fan during the Stockton Maloney era. But my commitment to the Jazz has ever been strengthened at the Miller family announcement yesterday. It's such a rarity in sports and business in general to consider a community so deeply to give up money and power. I feel humbled to be a Jazz fan today. The Jazz unites us despite differences, and the franchise has certainly brought unity to the city, state, and beyond. Look forward to many more years of Jazz basketball. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jared. All right, let's go to our uh, tip-off story of the day, which is the win last night. Uh, Amazing how good everybody looked with three days rest, right? Uh, but that a huge part of last night was also just, and I think this is a great signature to who Quinn Snyder is. Uh, the Jazz last night knew that there was a flaw in the defensive scheme of the Milwaukee Bucks, and that, that defensive scheme is that they allow 11% of all opponent's shots to be corner three attempts. The league average is about 6%. The Jazz are number one in the league at 5% allowed. The... Jazz, on average, take about 7.5% of their shots as corner threes. Uh, So here was a team that's at 11% allowed, highest in the NBA. No other team in the NBA is actually close. In fact, no other team allows more than 9% of corner threes. So the Jazz made a minor adjustment in a few spots. Uh, Maybe more importantly than that, they... They went and just really focused at shoot-around and made sure the guys understood, hey... You know, this is where we're going to get these looks. They overshift. We're going to get these looks. And the Jazz, I don't know if the official number came in as we counted it live, and some of them are in the moment. We had it as 20 corner threes last night. The official number came in at 19. The Jazz took it's – an, it's an unthinkable amount of corner threes last night uh, by the Jazz. What, what, it, what allows that? Well, what allows – the Jazz took 24.4% of their shots last night as corner threes. They average 8.8 on the season. Uh, and what allows that is the fact that the Jazz coaching staff is so detail-oriented. Quinn Snyder works so hard, had three days to prep too, that he is going to expose a weakness like that. And he – this is where he's at his best. And the way the team is built, incredible ball movement. And so the Jazz were able <clears throat> to take advantage of that, expose Milwaukee's defensive problems, or 20th in the league, and just get a blowout win last night. Uh, Joe Johnson was terrific as well. Absolutely uh, terrific as well. So, uh, And he took it to Jabari. Jabari had that defensive assignment for a lot of the night, and uh, Joe just worked him got him going his ball movement early in the game was the signature though and the guys followed uh that so a very solid strong performance uh by the jazz last night a needed win three days rest and i know a lot of people are focusing on the jazz record not being very good against above 500 teams and i think that that's 
you know, that's something we can talk about. It's got its angle of worthwhileness uh, where that's worth being talked about as well. But I would say maybe the flip side is the level of preparation and commitment night in and night out of performance by this team that they're killing below 500 teams. That's really how you make the playoffs and how you work your way up um, the standings is that you end up being as, you know, you just win the games you're supposed to. As, mu- as much as anything, uh, that that might be the answer, is if you can win the games uh, you're supposed to win. And if you do that, you end up uh, in the playoffs. Now, once you get to the playoffs, you better make sure that, no, no question, you better make sure that you carry, uh, a, can play at a higher level. And I, I don't know if we know that about this team yet, but the the way that they, they're positioning playoffs may turn out very well solely because they're just winning the games. Uh, they're supposed to. Uh, by the way, last night, one thing we brought up, <coughs> excuse me, uh, before the game was the box shooting in the restricted area. Last night they shot pretty well. They were at uh, 19 of 29 for 65%, and they took 40% of their shots in the restricted area. So offensively, they actually got what they want. The Jazz covered the paint well they, as they just went one of six in that area. Uh, but by the way, on the corner threes last night, the Jazz, the Bucks got three to the Jazz 19. I don't think you could ever win a game. Uh, with that kind of discrepancy uh, taking place. So that's really my big take on last night. And uh, Rudy was terrific. Gordon was solid. That's just a good win. There's not a, you know, there's not a huge amount to this one in other than that they had a game plan. They executed. I think it's the signature to who this team is right now that they are uh, able to win these games. They're supposed to win. Hopefully get another one against Charlotte uh, before Atlanta, New Orleans, Dallas on the road, then big ones with Boston, Clippers, and Portland uh, before we head to the All-Star break. Tickets are available for all those, and they should be great. Uh, so make sure you get your tickets. Uh, Dante Exum last night. He got two, maybe three, very short stints. He's got to be ready to play. I know we're all interested in Dante's development, and we want him – to get better, and we want him to have the chance, he, but he's got to be ready to play. Uh, he blew back-to-back defensive assignments on a switch defensively, allowing back-to-back threes on the exact same play twice in a row. If you're a coach, you have to take him out. You just have to. It's not about development at that point. You have to take him out. Uh, as much as his teammates are watching, and they see it, and if they suddenly think he has a different standard, then that's not going to work. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, And then offensively, he hit a corner three, and then on the next time down, he just didn't the play. He didn't run the play. He just jacked a three. And you know, again, as a coach, you have to say to yourself, like, are we playing inside the system? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? It's hard for him right now. He's outside of the rotation. He's outside of shoot arounds. Uh, and not what I mean by that is that you know, but when you're not part of the rotation, you're not one of the ten guys that runs through the shoot around plays. And so this is really a mental test for him to be able to prepare for games, and he needs to show that ability if he's going to get back on the floor and back out uh, on the rotation. All right, let's go take your questions. Whoa, sorry, taking the questions, I knocked over the camera. You went flying. Uh, Matt wants to know, once again, whether I can introduce him to Joe Ingles. I have not done so yet. It still seems unlikely. And I I think you just want to go have a beer with him. Uh, I do not hate you yet, though, Matt. That was his next question. Uh, Darren saying hi from St. Louis. Do you think we could make a trade for Kevin Love in a three-way deal with the Knicks and the Cavs? No. You're not trading Rudy, right? So, no. No, I cannot. 
I do not. And what are you giving the Knicks? So I'm assuming that that's Carmelo going to the Cavaliers, Kevin Love, which Cleveland's already said no to, going to New York. So we're then sending something to both New York and to Cleveland to make them want to do these deals. So you're trading Rodney Hood and Rudy Gobert for Kevin Love? Like, I mean, I, like, what is it that New York's going to take from us? What does New York want from us that makes them do those deals? So, you know, the league is not made for the Jazz to, to make deals. Do you think that Alec Burks will move into a starting role with Hood out? Uh, does Quinn still go with Ingles? You know, the numbers with Ingles are incredible. Uh, I don't know if I have them updated. But the starting lineup numbers with Joe Ingles on the floor are just terrific. Uh, he really seems to complement that group. So I would suspect you keep him exactly where he is. Alex slides probably to a backup two. Dante or Shelvin or Neto starts to get some backup point guard minutes. And you let Alec play off the ball. Uh, I don't know how – I don't think Ronnie's going to be out very long. I, I'm not too – maybe. We'll see. Uh, to what do you attribute a poor performance last night by Otto DeCumbo? Great defensive game plan to build a wall and keep him in the half court. you got very few open opportunities in transition. Uh, Gordon Hayward's a far better defensive player than people give him credit for. Like, night, you know, I'll hear, I hear about everybody else and all their great Jimmy Butler and Paul George. and Gordon's pretty darn good defensively. And I, I haven't, I'd have to go back and watch the film and see if he really did anything special on Adetokounmpo last night. Uh, but it's pretty night in and night out that opposing small forwards do not have very good nights against us. So I would probably say that there's something in which we should start giving Gordon some credit uh, in this regards. Uh, you said the possession off of the tip-off is one of the least efficient possessions. If that's the case, why go for it so aggressively? Would it be better to get the possession after the dead ball? Uh, interesting question. I actually think that's the even lower is the first possession of the half after the non-jump ball. So I don't, I don't think it has a huge um, issue. Um, checking in from O-Town. From Andy, is there a team better with Ingles in the starting five or Rodney who's better with the bench players? Maybe Rod could provide more off the bench. Uh, there's probably a legitimate discussion of whether Joe Ingles better compliments George Hill and um, Gordon Hayward than Rodney Hood does. And whether Rodney Hood better compliments Alec Burks than Joe Ingles does. That's... I would say that's a legitimate discussion. Let's play. Let's see. It's live. Let's go to NBA Wowie. Let's put George Hill on the floor. Let's put Gordon Hayward on the floor. And let's put Rodney Hood on the floor. Okay. Let's see what it says. The with, So this is with George Hill, Rodney Hood, and Gordon Hayward. It's... And the Jazz offense is a 1.15. Very, very, very good. And the defense is a 1.01. Woo! That's pretty fabulous. <coughs> Excuse me. My throat is not great because of the inversion. 1.15. And the opponent is 1.01. That's a plus 14. I'm going to be surprised if Joe Ingles is better than that. But let's see. Let's go put Joe Ingles in there instead. And submit. Uh, this is Gordon Hayward, George Hill, and Joe Ingles. And the Jazz offense is a 1.20. Wow. That's incredible. 315 possessions, 165 minutes. George Hill, Gordon Hayward, Joe Ingles. The offense is a 1.20. The effective field goal percentage is 57%. True shooting percentage 61. Probably not sustainable. 
And the defense is a .97. That's even more incredible. Uh, effective field goal percentage is 46.5. So that's a plus 23. Uh, that would lead, that little sample size right there of only 315 possessions makes you believe that um, that group is better. How are Alec Burks and Rodney Hood on the floor together? It's a pretty good scoring bench right there. Like, really good scoring bench. Uh, with those two on the floor together, they have played 13 possessions together all night, all year. Wow. That's really interesting. So there's no sample size here. That's really interesting. They've only played seven minutes and 13 possessions together all year. They're good. They've scored 20 points in those seven. They've scored 20 points in those 13 minute possessions. Wow. The opponent has scored five. Ha! <laughs> I wonder what that was. So seven minutes, 13 possessions with the two of those guys on the floor, and the Jazz have outscored their opponents 20 to 5. Hard to, uh, hard to get a lot of sample out of that. But, yeah, I think there's a legitimate dis- – I think there's – I mean, the other one is – I mean, there, there's a discussion that in the next 30 games revving up for the playoffs, this team looks dramatically different by the end. I talked about it yesterday. That maybe Favors just does – isn't that Boris starts. Um, I mean, if you go look at – uh, again, using NBA Wowie, and thank you to them. Boris Diaw and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. This is this is a live show, people. This is what happens. <clears throat> the Jazz offense with those two on the floor is a 1.1, and their defense is a 1.03, so that's a plus 7. Drop Boris Diaw and put in <clears throat> Derek Favors. By the way, that one has a 1,000 possessions together, so that's a pretty good sample size. This one has uh, just 661. The offense is a 1 point uh, – excuse me. The, the offense is a 1.065, so 1 point – yeah, 1.065. And the defense <clears> – <throat> the opponent defense is a 1.01, so it's better, uh, 1.015. So that's plus 5. Diaw and Gobert – are plus seven. So, not a huge difference. But there's some argument, you know, and maybe the one that's not great together is Favors and Lyles. I don't believe that one has worked out very well. Uh, And so you probably have to try to find a way to avoid that matchup a little bit. I don't know why it's so bad um, and why it it hasn't worked out, but Opponent's offense is 1.08, and the offense and our offense is 1.05, so it's a negative three. Good question, Andy. Thank you. <coughs> Apologies. Uh, what do you think of starting lineup last night? I just touched on it. Uh, Gobert kills it. DeAndre gets ejected. Way to vote, coaches. Yeah, I'd still go with DeMarcus as the issue. Uh, David, I understand Favors is still recovering, but I think we need to get him – rolling, if we're going to stand a chance getting past the first round of the playoffs, what is it going to take? I, I think you're right. I mean, Derek's, <clears throat> when he's right, is a top 30 player in the NBA. And if we think we're going to win a first-round playoff series, we probably have to have a Derek being right. It's going to be very difficult to win a playoff series uh, if Derek does not is not right. That's that's absolutely true. I mean, you just your best players have to be good. And your talent, talent matters. And Derek is really, really talented. So I... Uh, they're working on it. I mean, they're just trying to – right now they're trying to get his legs back up, uh, from under him, going back through the basics, body movement, uh, things of that nature. So they're really they're really trying to do uh, 
the best they can. I, I, I'm stunned, by the way, still back on that Hood, Burks, 13 possessions together all year. It just shows you how much time there still is for this team that they need to spend together that they haven't gotten to spend together yet. I, I, that's, to me, what uh, is just so stunning uh, about that. By the way, if you'd like to advertise on Locked On Jazz, your company's spot could go right here at this very moment on the program, and you would reach an audience that's 97% men, about 74%, 25 to 54, and 18 to 44 years old. Uh, podcast listeners are 56% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcasts than they are in other forms of media, according to a recent study. So this is a good chance for your company to get exposure and reach its prime audience. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com to get and sponsor the program. Joshua, let's go skiing. I'm always up for that. I will ski anywhere, anytime. The only problem is when somebody else comes, they have a chance to screw it up. If I ski by myself, nobody can screw it up. So I'm asking you, if we ski together, you can't screw it up. Taylor, what's with Rudy's big night? Was that because the Jazz countered with what the league has been doing uh, to counter Rudy, or because the, the Bucks just aren't very good defensive? The, the Bucks schemes are terrible. I'm sorry. I'm, I have friends on the coaching staff, Greg Foster and some others, and I, I don't get their schemes last night. Uh, hi from Greece. Why is Mac out of the rotation? Is it because of his defense? No, it's because Alec Burks is back, and you can only play four guards. So. You, you're you going to play Hood and Hill and Ingles and Burks. You can't really play five guards very well. Uh, now the question is if Rodney's out for a while, A.B. rolls back to that backup shooting guard role, do you play um, do you play Mac or do you play Neto or do you play Exum? I think that's it. Um, uh Tyler points out that a lot of our losses to above 500 teams are without our primary players, and that is true. Even with the healthy favors, they seem to run a lot of pick and rolls with Rudy. Do we eventually move Fave for something? You know, I mean, I actually would say you got to look at Fave's contract right now, and it's just so good. Moving him's tough, right? So if you trade Derek Favors, he makes $10.5, $11 million, and you don't extend him, tell me how you're – what you're gaining and who you're putting in that spot that, first of all, Fave's value can't be very high right now, and what are you getting that's worth as good as Fave for $10 million? I mean, even Fave's just limited $10 million is a good deal right now. Um, by the way, one fun thing about NBA Wowie, just to give him a plug, since we just used him and I still have him up, it's always fun to look at what other people – it shows you anytime someone cues up something. So someone just looked to see what Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard are with Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge off the floor. Like, it's just fun to see what other people are checking around the league. And it's usually people who know something, so it's kind of a fun site. NBA, W-O-W-Y.com. Uh, is there a possibility of trading for Darren Williams? It's really interesting. He's the perfect fit for a playoff backup point guard and a fourth or fifth, uh, depending on what's going on with Rodney, for our team. It's really, he's perfect. He's your fifth, though, if you're still keeping A.B. and Ingles. And, um, you know, and I do think we probably have to make an offseason decision on Joe Ingles or Alec Burks. I think that decision, I don't think you can afford to, if, if you end up with... Um, it's my little bike keychain. Uh, if you end up with A, B, 
AV is about ten millions, and you have uh, Ingles getting a four-year, thirty-two million-dollar contract or something of the sort in the offseason. I'm not sure you can have both of them. So I don't know what that means. But now Darren's interesting because uh, Darren would lives here full time. Would probably love to come back. Is probably going to have to evolve into a backup point guard if he's going to maintain his career. And you'd have to make a really big decision. I know for a fact Darren would love to come back. I know Darren, for his family, for a fact, would like to right the wrong of how he's viewed in this marketplace. Uh, I think that's very important to them. And uh, he actually matches. And depending what goes on with the Mavericks, who are making a little run right now, he could be released, and then you're just picking him up off the wire as a, uh, you know, if he gets released, you're picking him up as as a free free agent dump. The way the Heat got Joe Johnson last year. So, I don't know. I think it's a very, very interesting concept of whether or not he's someone you'd be willing to take back. But he's not the player he once was. Um, but he's pretty solid. He's got playoff experience. He wouldn't be surprised by minutes. He probably, on given nights, if he's rolling, could close games for you. Um, Cleveland's trying to go get him. I don't know. I, I'm really curious of what fans would would do with that. I mean, this is a guy who's he's averaging 14 points a game. He's hitting 35% of his threes, having a decent year. His effective field goal percentage is right above league average. He's 32 years old. He hasn't come off the bench since uh, a kind of a weird span in Brooklyn since he was benched for Milt Palacio in 2005-2006, and he was, he was, um, and he was bitter then. Uh, so, was, would he, I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly... Interesting. Um, you know, I don't know what he would cost. Maybe nothing if he's a buyout. I don't know. It's worth looking at. Does the buyout prevent you from giving George Hill an extension? Can you get George Hill? George Hill going to actually do an extension? The rumor, the word is that George is changing agents. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. That sounds like someone preparing for free agency, though. Um, all right, what other questions? Got about five more minutes. Uh, did the few days rest make that big a difference? Yes. That's, I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, is it more beneficial for Dante or Neto to play short minutes and sometimes no minutes in the NBA against better players, or is it better to have large minutes in the D-League? I think it would be best for Dante to go play. I've said this, you know, I don't know what I know, but I think Dante should go spend a six-week stint in the D-League. Um, playing 35 minutes a night. His first priority is D-League. Anytime he can come back to the Jazz when the D-League team's not playing, he comes back to the Jazz and he's available. But if the D-League team and the Jazz play on the same night, he's in the D- he plays for the D-League team, and he gets 35 minutes a night. I'm a believer in the concept, I don't need the exact number, in the concept of 10,000 hours that Gladwell talks about, that Coyle talks about in Talent Code, and he's way behind on those 10,000 hours, and he needs playing time and minutes on the floor and um, and discipline. And so those would be the experiences he would have to succeed and fail. I think he needs to fail without pressure. And so I would suggest him going to the D-League and spending most of the time there for – now I said this starting three weeks ago, so I don't know if six weeks still works, but that's – you know, what I'm thinking is three weeks a game – you know, <clears throat> 20 games – 20 games, 600 minutes, maybe 700 minutes, just go play, is my thought. Uh, Dante seemed 
at a really crucial point mentally in his career. A couple of players are going out of their way to talk to him and keep him up. Quinn often gets bashed um, for how he's using Dante, but how much of this is Dante fighting through? You know, Quinn's job is to keep the team together and to win. His, his job is not to develop Dante. Dante's job is to develop Dante. Players, coaches can work with Dante and develop Dante. Quinn's number one job is to win games and to keep the team together. Dante's a portion of that, but his number one job is not Dante. The fans that are complaining about Quinn and Dante think that Quinn's number one job is to, de- to develop Dante. When Dante blows back-to-back defensive assignments like last night, you have to take him out because the other players on the team notice it. And if he's suddenly playing by different rules than everyone else, then it doesn't work. So Dante's got a man up, frankly. Uh, and I don't, you know, it's hard. That's not an easy thing to do, but that's hard. I would say Burks and favors a and two picks to the Knicks and a two and two picks to the Knicks and Mac to the Cavs with Mel with Mello. Um, so we're giving up Alec Burks and Derek Favors and two picks to the Knicks. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you can trade Alec Burks and Derek Favors right now. I mean, not like we can't. I'm not sure anyone. Like I'd want if I was the other team, I'd like to see them play longer. Maybe AB. I, I'm not for Kevin Love. Yeah, I mean Kevin Love would be great on us. There's no, I mean he'd be great. Cleveland won a championship. <laughs> not sure why Cleveland changes that. Wow, I'm a mess. Sorry. Um, do you think it would be good? It would be good to get Dante some time. I just yeah talked about that. Uh, would you go after Paul Millsap? He's a free agent at the end of the year. You're saying favors another player and a few picks for Paul Millsap? And he's a free agent at the end of the year, and you have to pay him $30 million at 30 years old? Probably not. Probably not interested in that. Quick question. Do you see Houston fading? Starting to see a lot of toll on Russ, and people are adjusting. I think OKC is thin. If you're talking about OKC, OKC is thin. The, the Ennis injury hurts them as much because they're not Ennis, but also because it just forces everybody else. Houston is not playing as well recently. Um, I don't worry about this time of year a great deal in the sense that I think teams are just tired. Um, I don't – I'd have to look at the standings. My thought is we're way behind uh, – we're way behind Houston, aren't we? Four games? Four games and a lot. Like 30 games to play, we would have to go probably 24 and 6. And they'd have to go 19 and 11. That would be my thought. Um, I mean, unless they're going to go 500, they're, they're 5 and 5, and like somehow they're broken, and they go 500 the rest of the way, and we have 32 games left. It's called 30. It's easier to do the math. And so we have to go 18 and 13. Or eight, you know, eighteen and twelve, um, to catch them, maybe, but they'd have to be broken. I mean, they'd have to be five hundred. I think. I mean, we could go eighteen and twelve. I, th- I think that's probably about. I think we'll probably go nineteen and thirteen the rest of the way. Finish close to fifty wins. Interesting point. Don't confuse Paul Millsap West versus Paul Millsap East. Uh, is it? Tra- makes sense to Del Toledo is always trying to make trades. Favors in Hood. For Kevin Love, why, why does why does Cleveland do these things, guys? Ask before you semi trade. Ask why the other team does it. 
Uh, what has happened with Lyles? He doesn't seem like he's taking the step forward we expected. He's also not making the right pass a lot of time. Wasn't his passing one of his best attributes? You know what I think's happened to Lyles is the team's gotten really good. I was talking last night with a group from Les Olson, and they were asking whether we wish we would, had taken Devin Booker instead of Trey Lyles. And I, I then asked the question of if Devin, if Trey Lyles played on a 15-38 and 38 team like the uh, like the Phoenix Suns and got to play 35 minutes a night, which is what Devin Booker's doing, don't you think he averages 18, 19 points a game? Might not help you win. But, I mean, I think he's an 18-6 and six guy at that point. I think the only thing that's happened to these guys that's hard for everyone to understand is that playing on a team that wins all the time is really, really hard. Devin Booker is a well-below-average offensive player in the way in his usage. He's 47% effective field goal percentage. League average is 50. Uh, his defense is terrible. His defensive rating is 110 when he's on the floor. So... If Devin and Devin Booker is really good, but if Trey Lyles played thirty-five minutes a night unencumbered with no pressure on winning, I feel like he pro- and played in Phoenix instead of Marquise Chris. I kind of feel like he'd be averaging seventeen points and six rebounds, and Devin Booker would be on our team, and we'd be wondering why he's not getting more time. I think it just has to do with being really good. What's wrong with George Hill's shot? Well, in the big picture of the sample size, nothing. Right? He's like right on his career averages. Um, in the sh- short term, I'm guessing that his toe is not completely healthy. I noticed he switched shoes again last night. So he went to a different shoe. Uh, but in the big picture, he's shooting 47%. His career average is 45. He's shooting 39.7 from three. His career average is 37.8. So there's probably some natural regression to the mean uh, that is taking place. It feels like, um, you know, feels like he. Uh, is probably, you know, a little off. His last five games seem to be uh, a little different than what they were before. Now let's take one other moment, though, and remember that from November 29th to January 7th, he played two. Ba- he played one basketball game and had injuries that uh, did not allow him to run in either circumstance. So he came out and he played a lot of basketball games in a row, right? He came out and we played on the 7th, the 8th, the 10th, the 13th, the 14th, the 16th. He played in those six games right away out of the shoot. And in that span, he shot 43% from the field and 40% from three. We then played four games in five nights. And so since and since that fourth game in five nights, he has shot 40. And if you want to include the front of that back to back, but he's shot about 37% and 21% from three. Okay. His legs just maybe completely shot. And that's where hopefully last night, you know, we see, and then by Saturday we see him get come back. But I think that's the reality that here's a guy who played one game from December 1st to January 5th. He played, and before that he played four, game, four games from November 6th to G- five games from November 6th to January 5th. Right, so for two months, he played five games with injuries where he couldn't run. 
I think that's what's happened. All right, we are at way past time, um, but there's a lot of questions. Uh, Zach Campbell is a long question I'm trying to get to. I think Alec, I'm probably the hardest on Alec in regards to chemistry. I think he's been fine. Um, I think he's been really good, actually. I'm really, really impressed. Um, A.B. Jingles, if not, who do we keep? I think that's going to be a big question in the offseason. It also depends what Jingles' market is. Uh, We have not given up on Exum. What would you think of a trade we did Millsap? I don't know why everyone wants to trade favors for Millsap. And again, why does Atlanta do that? Uh, seems like Gobert plays much better without favors on the floor. The floor is more open. There's more room for him. There's no question. It's something we'll have to address. Uh, I just got asked the Devin Booker, Trey Lyles question. I just answered already. That looks like it probably does the night. There's something about Nate Duncan, uh, which I can't see. So that wraps up today's edition of Facebook Live Thursday edition brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group. Give Rob a call at Shamrock Auto Group and tell him that Locked on Jazz sent you. If you're in the market to purchase a car or truck the next few weeks, at least give Rob a call and see what he can do for you. 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. Have a great day.